Welcome to We Are Teachers, where you will hear conversations around the realities of teaching in the world today. I am Hazel Pulley. I'm the CEO of Excelsior Multi Academy Trust in Birmingham. I have with me for you today, Tim Boys, CEO of Birmingham Education Partnership, which we shortened to BEP. How are you doing, Tim? Uh, I'm very well, thank you, Hazel. I'm uh, busy, like all of us, and, uh, and navigating these complicated times. Uh, certainly so. Before you were CEO, I was looking back at what you've been doing. And when you were head teacher of Queensbridge in Birmingham, you were also involved in quite a lot of work around school improvement. And now you've moved on to school improvement across the city. I've got a feeling that school improvement's in your blood. So where do you think we are now? Because times are tough, as you said. We're navigating something really strange. Where does that sit with school improvement? Well, I mean, I think, Hazel, that um, you, you could say that, that, that school improvement could be looked at from opposite ends of a telescope and that um, I think school improvement is always happening with practitioners and it happens, it happens organically. And I think it happens um, in a systematic way, enforced and led and driven by external things to the school. And I think that, um, you know, what, what COVID's doing is, is forcing us intensely into that experience of of resourcefulness and adaptation and the, the organic things i think it's a hard time for for organized system improvement but i think that schools are such strong communities that um the kind of the heart of of education professionals for their children and for the families that we work with and the need um just to to work humanely through this difficult time means that schools are are involved in the most phenomenal change project. And I think good things are coming out of that and good things will come out of that. And, and yeah, I wouldn't want to be glib about that because it's a very difficult time. And, and some people will feel like they're just you know trying to keep their heads above water. Yes, I think it is that concern, isn't it? About the heads above water. And, and that's your role, isn't it? I mean, how many schools do you support in the city? Well, um, importantly, there are uh, 450 settings in Birmingham. There are about 300 primary schools and 80 mainstream secondary schools. And then there are special schools and nursery schools. Um, and BEP, the Birmingham Education Partnership, has a responsibility, a contract for the City Council to, to do its statutory school improvement job. That's with maintained schools. But BEP was set up to really foster school improvement across the whole community of Birmingham schools. The, the partnership grew at a time when um, Birmingham was in the headlines for some negative reasons. And the truth is across such a big population of schools, there's fantastic practice. And mm. in any one school, whatever the label on the school, there will be fantastic practice. And so BEP was really predicated on the idea that we needed to, to make the most of all that was fantastic and excellent in a city as big as ours, um, and to try and use that strength to, to grow and support others. So if there's all that going on, and I'm aware of some of that myself and see it with some of my colleagues, how do you get people to share? Are we good at that in education? Well, again, if, if I talk about the, the organic and the formal, I think that you know, teachers are, are always, you know, I, I think it's a, a, probably a cliche, but, but I remember hearing at the start of my career that teachers are magpies, that you know, we just grab those good <laughs> things everywhere. And um, 
I've also been told that trying to organize head teachers can be like herding cats. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there is a there's a there's a life out there in schools and, and, and in my system role as, as an ex head teacher. Um, I know that it's not helpful to be too prescriptive. I would be deluded if I thought we could prescribe lots. But there's lots that we can do to give heads and colleagues the opportunity and the reason to, to interact with each other and to share good things. So I think that quite a lot happens organically organically and happens when people problem solve together when people find that they're pulling together for a common end you know there's a there's a there's an appetite for sharing good stuff there's an appetite for picking up on what's what what's worked next door mm -hmm. I think heads have got a, a you know a, a sense that you know we're involved in these really intense projects that are called our own schools that be these closed communities that become really um really tight to, to use the, the the word of the day quite tight bubbles um and yet yeah we all know that we we don't want to be limited and trapped in our own bubble and and so there's a kind of a sense in which i think heads and and school leaders listen out for for things that are working next door and for for comparator information to make sure that they're not missing out on something and i think that you know our our role as a partnership is to is to lubricate some of that and to try and make sure that some of the some of the good stories get around so a bit of WD-40 going on there then. But do you come across barriers to that sharing? What about competition? Where does that sit? Yeah, I think um, I think there are a lot of barriers. I think um, if I were if I were to be big about it, I would it, taking the, the, the lens big, um, I would say that the biggest barrier is trust. Um, you know, the, the biggest lubricant is trust, the biggest barrier is a lack of trust. And, um, and I think that what's interesting is, you know, where there isn't a lot of relationship or where something's gone wrong, it's easy to see threat and competition and problem. What's what's interesting, and, and I know Hazel, you know, you know about this, that, that in some ways the, the big kind of uh, competitive driving forces in education today are growing multi-academy trusts. Mm. You know, trusts want wants to get their name out there. They want to feel that they're strong and recognised and valued um, to the extent that people will come and join them and that their trust will grow. Um, and yet amongst trusts, there's a fantastic opportunity for people to help each other and to, and to find those places where you know, partnership um, and cooperation makes more sense than competition. So, you know, I think that like in, internally within a school, like everywhere in life, where we can build good relationships and and genuinely build some trust, then then things flow. That that, that if you like, trust is the is the best WD forty going. Um, there are things uh, that mean that you know we are in competition when when there's a huge shortage of great maths teachers or where there are falling roles. The competition that we have over our role with a neighbouring school or the competition we have in the marketplace for very scarce resources, you know, pits us against one another sometimes. Mm. But equally, you know, when a group of school leaders come together and see that you know, we can we can collaborate and come up with solutions and help each other out, then then that sense of mutual support grows trust and and I think that you know when people find it in a small thing um in a simple thing then that can grow to a slightly bigger thing um and and so I think you know it's 
as with all relationships, it's a it's a step at a time, and it's it's working out what people can manage. And you, know, you started off by asking about the pandemic. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult time, isn't it? And and if people are in survival mode, they're, they're not going to manage so much. Um, but maybe you know, where people are, are struggling, there's a bit of need, and if we can help meet that need, that's that's a bit of a WD forty. That's super because I do have a really good colleague who's also a CEO of a trust in the city, and um we would often want we want to both grow but we're actually supporting each other to grow we share books we he'll often say to me how did you read that book before me around some sort of leadership area and it's grateful because there's total trust i love that trust but thinking of trust you know where does that sit with ofsted because that's just, to me the competition there's just it just sort of keeps coming in somewhere and it, it, there's a balance there trust and competition trust and Ofsted where do you think we sit with that on school improvement hmm I mean shockingly HMI and and um, and Ofsted are, are also a bunch of human beings and uh, you know I think as an organization culturally Ofsted um, works with a sense of of certainty um, you know, the, to, to, to enforce an inspection framework, to hold the line on inspection framework. I think Ofsted as a, as a body needs to believe in it. Um, it, it, it. You know, I think it has quite a, um, a would I say, quite a, a dogmatic confidence in its, in its tool. Um, those of us on the receiving end of it will you know, quite readily um, share anecdotes about where it's not been quite so consistent or it's not always worked out quite mm. so well or where our experience of it has been varied but you know so I think there's a there's a cultural challenge because um as, a, as an inspection body there is there is a sense of that dogma that that the framework and the tool is is fit for purpose um but within that the reality is that there's a whole um you know there's a whole team of people there's a whole army of people who inspect and you know i guess many of us who've been in school leadership a while will have experiences of of really affirming encouraging positive professional conversations with some of them and there might have been times when we felt you know that that the understanding wasn't contextualized enough or where um you know one piece of evidence was given weight over another um the privilege of of, of my position now i think you're know, working um not as a head but but in a different role within the system um is that when, when you're not in confrontation with ofsted when you're not the object of the tool then you know i i, I find a lot of colleagues who are very reasonable who can be quite honest about um about their learning and and where there's a, a spirit of problem solving so you know the inspection um process for for a um you know a section five inspection is what it is the business of of dealing with schools on their school improvement journey or the the business of of really trying to to solve problems with Ofsted you know is a slightly different one and mm -hmm. you know I mean it's, for those schools thundering along at good and outstanding and it's the vast majority of folk you know Ofsted's this thing that that comes and and, and interrupts their normality every now and then and then goes away again you know significantly Ofsted see themselves as a major engine for school improvement because when a school's down in in, in a kind of a grade four Ofsted then becomes the the, the structure that that holds the two-year journey of improvement and um, and maybe supports the school leading up to a rebrokerage or a, a sponsorship or whatever and so you know I think in that in that problem solving journeying with schools experience you know the Ofsted you know can be constructive and but but fundamentally they're human beings and 
and you know it, the relationships that you have with a good professional within Ofsted you know can be productive can be really helpful I just think there's a there's a tension sometimes with the need for the tool or the, the inspection framework to assert its dogma yes I think You've said that brilliantly because coming at it from a different side, I was an Ofsted inspector and often when I went in, I could I could sort of feel the tension and that lack of trust. But really, if the school had confidence and that leadership was strong and teaching and learning was and, and that was having impact on teaching and learning, there was it was just a wonderful experience. So it's really saying, you know, have confidence in what you're doing. I think it is when it needs rapid improvement. That's where the real issues for leaders um, growth quite obviously but could they work differently could they become more involved in school improvement or do you think that the roles just have to be so separate because often they will leave and people say I just want them to help me where really I don't feel it's just a few words on paper I want to know what to do do you think mm. they could get any more involved or is that where you come in well it's interesting going back to the the first question about you know where's school improvement and I talked about the different ends of the the telescope sort of the organic mm -hmm. and the structural um that's probably quite a useful place to go back to in in, in answering your question because you see I, I would say um that as somebody who's enjoyed outstanding uh inspection results um and somebody who's worked with schools that are inadequate or, or somebody who's worked inside schools that are on a dramatic tough school improvement journey near the near, near the 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 beginning of that that process um that i would still say an awful lot of inspection energy and and angst uh, is um is not really that helpful um that's a, maybe a slightly controversial thing to say but you know when i think about how much heads worry about and prepare for and 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 process an inspection uh, experience and and potentially there is not great change for you know a school that's you know just over the cusp of RI or you know averagely good or 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 a fantastic school that often don't have a great deal of improvement commentary for um, you know I, I wonder you know how productive that is so. In, in the role that I have working with Ofsted on schools that, you know, that are in trouble, I recognise there's a real need to have some kind of instrument, some kind of tool that helps us to, to shine the spotlight on schools that, that really need help. Uh, my question would be um, how, how creative or innovative we should be about um, the sort of the inspection or the school improvement process for the vast majority of schools. Um, and what I would say is that um, collegiality uh, peer learning, um, engaging in research, supporting schools to take some greater risk or um, working through collaboration to, to, to really grow a school into a new area. I think there are lots and lots of choices we could have as a, as a, as a country and as a system um, as to how we might do um, school improvement differently. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I would, I would separate out my view of Ofsted being really important and helpful for schools that that are you know in in really acute need or crisis or have have have, have slipped out of view and suddenly have have, have kind of um, needed to be identified as a school that needs help I think that there are other ways of doing that um, you know I would I would offer the thought that 
um, across a community of schools, even as, as big as the whole community of Birmingham, um, there are a whole set of choices as to how we could set up our, our health indicators, not just in terms of data, but in terms of soft intelligence, in terms of staying in touch with leaders and governors, um, that might mean that um, we could get to the to the process of, of identifying the schools that really need the help and the support and the and the and the external wisdom or, or external judgment differently without putting the 80% of schools through the kind of cyclical energy sapping process sometimes that our current inspection framework is. And the alternatives, as I say, sit around peer review, communities of learning, um, professional dialogue. Uh, and, I, and I think that, that we've got a lot of choices about how we how we structure that. And maybe uh, the pandemic may be a focus on well-being, maybe resources and cost um, will be things that might lead to some of those changes. That's really interested about the uh, peer review and the collegiate approach, because I was very lucky to work with DfE and go to Singapore just a few years ago to look at their education system. And Singapore, like Finland, aren't they? They don't actually have that um, external uh, justification or inspection system at all doesn't exist yet their outcomes look at PISA how they do on those tests are uh, tremendous mm. Singapore was very interesting because I wanted to find out how did they achieve this yet that not having this um, that we've just discussed and for me what shone was the high expectation to families from the government, from the country, education is what is needed and the expectation that families had to pool in there. But where does that sit with us? Where do you think it, education lies in, with our government at the moment? Where, what do you feel from uh, the leadership there for us in education at the moment? That's a big question. <laughs> I think that, um, that education rarely makes it to the top of the priority list and I think that um, the uh, academy journey of the last um, what is it 15 years has has been utterly focused on structures and I don't think structures are the answer so I think that I don't see in in either of the two dominant parties in England a um, a, a, a fresh and confident um, vision for for education um, and yet i would say again the pandemic has has put um these key public services in in the spotlight i think that um you know clearly with the pandemic health is is the number one public service but i think that education is very quickly there as as number two you know that the, the national discourse will not suddenly be about prisons or um you know or, or about foreign policy or brexit or whatever i think that you know i think that education uh, our young people how we look after them and how we grow them is is acutely uh in focus for the nation right now um and i think that um in a way the need for us all to pull together the need for um, localities for for regions for for cities or local authority areas um, to provide some sort of consistency for for families um, means that we're we're forced back into our geographies. I mean, the nature of the pandemic means that we're forced into our geographies. And I'm passionate about that. I think it's it, you know education um, is not 
something that that is best run by national change with a few schools dotted around the country um, disconnected from their locality i think that um, nor is education best run um, by by endless testing um, that focuses on the things that are most consistently measurable in a in a in an examination format which always over relies on memory recall and um, and language skills um, i think that you know we've got a sense that growing children, growing young people, growing our, our, our most important resource, our people, is, is a bigger process than that, and that we need to look after people. So well-being and mental health, you know, I think is, is, is much more important and much more in view. So having said all of that, I think that we're at a stage in, in the education debate where we probably know structures and governance are not the panacea. Um, I think we're at a place where we probably know we've got to do some things better. And I think that we neglect our young people and we neglect our education system at our peril. And I think that how we really invest in teachers, how we come together as a country with a, with a fresh envisioning um, for, for how we do things is, is a challenge. Interesting, isn't it, that, that um, you know, we've really seen through the pandemic, again, the significance of of the different um, territories of, of, of Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland. And you know, I would say that Scotland and Wales have both been on their own education improvement journeys quite separately from ours. And, and focusing on curriculum is more exciting and more powerful than focusing on structures. Uh, my experience from where I sit and in my own school journey is I've seen fantastic academies and I've seen some bad academies. I've seen fantastic maintained schools and I've seen some bad maintained schools. I don't think that's the key decider. The key decider is how professionals get hold of things and, and how we work together. And that's greatly helped when the national climate policy coming from the centre, um, feeding local you know, parental and community desire for education um you know coincide and uh, and so maybe we've got some big opportunities um at this point in time that's good to hear because i feel the same i think after we've got through this and we're back at school do you know i think the horizon's looking really different and that excites me and I'm trying to give that excitement to our staff at the moment. We've just launched Innovation Fortnight, where we can come up with the wackiest, most incredible ideas. And then they will go to a Dragon's Den and we're going to give the winner or winners money and time to put their idea into practice within our trust. Because I agree with you, it's the most exciting time. As we come to an end here now, Tim, I'd just like you to come up with, if you could, because I think it'd be a great way of getting that goodness out of you, the five top tips for school improvement. If I was in a school, if I was a leader in a school, not lucky enough to be working, maybe even with yourself or with a trust, what five things could I really work on to get my school improving even more quickly? Um, so I think number one, is um is staff unity uh, people need to pull together um and uh, and so that's about investing in people and relationships so i'm gonna five is a big number to remember okay let's three, go for three, three. three. <laughs> but but, but I, well I'll, I'll you'll have to keep count because you'll, right. you'll, when one flows into two so i think you know unity um comes from investing in people so you know people have got to believe in what we're doing and that, and, and so that's about vision isn't it so mm. there's something about about vision and unifying people together and and i think that a key for for a school that's got a, a big journey to go on 
is is working out what thing is going to unite people and show people that it's worth pulling together and they can win mm. so i think having a cause having having one or two priorities that people buy into and you're going to really work at together i think that that creates a bit of a virtuous circle um, i think that that brings the team together i think it builds the confidence of the team and i think it shows the professionals and the adults in the school that you can make a difference and i think that that sort of energy and capability and confidence um, is is really foundational um, but I think that uh, you know more than that or, or digging into that deeper um, you know what you've just described with your Dragon's Den I think how we empower how we excite how we energize people you know I think that there is the world of difference between the teacher who came into teaching with all the best intentions, but has begun to feel that they're on a set of tram lines that's somewhat thankless, that is somewhat stale, um, with children who don't really want the product that we're selling them, um, and families who aren't really, so it's, it can all be a bit tough. And, and so to flip that to um, professionals who feel valued and empowered and inspired with what's possible um, I think is about how you give them permission um, and in, in my experience I suppose if, if I've got anywhere near number five um, <laughs> it would be to um, to value risk and failure mm. um, I think schools actually are slightly risk averse places and that goes back to the conversation about Ofsted and testing and, you know, and, and the difference between externally enforced school improvement and organic energised school improvement that comes from people really believing in it and feeling empowered and like it's part of their process. And I think that, um, that if people know that they can take some risk, um, that, 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 that as leaders, we hold that risk well, that we support them with it and we're, and we're going to believe in them, um, then I think school becomes a more human and more exciting place. Um, you know, I think families are, are best when the love that is, is, is there in the family um, allows family members to, to get it wrong sometimes and to take risk um, and that they know that they're held um, and, and, and safe in the love of the family. And I think that there's, there's something in that for schools. That's a lovely way to end because that's so wholesome and I want to work in that school. And I hope that those schools are in our trust. And I think they are. Thank you for that giveaway. And I've really enjoyed our conversation today, Tim. Thank you very much. Thanks, Hazel. Thanks for all you're doing. Cheers. Thank you to you for listening. Don't forget before you go to hit subscribe and you can listen on all your favourite platforms. We will be there. Bye.